and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against this army. But we've got to get back to a supernatural world. Hey, this is the Unrefined Podcast. What's up? This is your host, Brandon. And Lindsay. Welcome to another episode. Lindsay, what's going on in your world, man? I've been listening to the Pogues a lot. You know, Irish Celtic punk band. Celtic punk. Not like any particular album. Yeah. But just... Some of the songs I like. Uh, Dirty Old Town. That's a good one. I got on a ska kick yesterday and was listening to some of the ska bands I used to listen to in the 90s. Like who? Give me a Real Big time. Fish and some of the older ones too. Uh, Suicide Machines. They were kind of ska punk. They had a song called No Face that I really liked. Yeah, Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. I remember them. Yeah. yeah, they had a hit impression that I get. So yeah, yesterday I listened to a lot of that. Uh, I'm reading, not really reading, listening to, taking a break from the the space trilogy for a little while, and I've been listening to the Pathfinder by James Fenimore Cooper. Chronologically, that's the first. Of his leather stocking tales. I mean, most people know Last of the Mohicans. Yeah. From the, yeah. the Daniel Day Lewis movie, if nothing else. Um, yeah, the book yeah. was outstanding too. But uh, you know, if you yeah, it's always good to read the book before you see the movie. In, in my opinion, you know. Yeah. Very wordy. I mean, it's written in the the nineteenth century, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and been watching Peripheral. Kind of got sucked into a British show, too, that I've, I've finished the first season of. I guess they're going to come out with a second one, I hope, called The Devil's Hour. Interesting. Kind of time loop kind of stuff set in England. Yeah, not as convoluted as that German show, Dark. You needed a pen and paper for that one, and I got tired of it. Uh, but yeah, The Devil's Hour. Devil's Hour. I might have to check that out. A lot of these movies and shows I get into, though, I get into them for entertainment value, but I just can't help to to switch into predictive programming mode and to see how, oh yeah, how things are just kind of hidden in plain sight. That's just the redemptive give profit or perceiver part of me. You know, I just take things apart and see patterns and and the peripheral you were talking about. It's excellent if those of you out there who haven't seen it, it's um, you got to get past the first episode because it's intentionally made confusing where you don't know what's going on. And then, and as you get further into the episodes that I think they're currently on episode four right now, they just put out episode four or they just put out episode five. I don't know. Anyway. And it goes on to explain more about what's happening in this dystopian type world that's going on. But what's interesting about it, and you can weigh in here too, Lindsay, is is it's basically a treatise for transhumanism. Yeah, I mean 
you see it everywhere. Yeah. From the haptic uh, Marines that are all joined together as one. Um, that was fascinating. I love the, well, I'm not going to give any spoilers. So just watch the, watch the show. I think, I think people will get a lot out of it, particularly people who think like we think and delve into worlds where worlds that we would delve into would, would blatantly see a lot of the, this is where the elites want us to go. It might not be how they want us to go there, but they, they definitely want to eradicate a lot of the population and they want to be, among a few and the few that they have, it doesn't matter if it's people or AI robots or, or what a world of technocratic monarchy. So anyway, but that, yeah, I'm watching the peripheral too. There is a, a show Nathan and I are going to watch called the uh, midnight mass that we're going to kind of dive into is recommended by a, friend who basically said it, it's just it's almost like the elite made it and just slid it through it just slipped right past the whole sensors and it's just uh, about like what's going on in our world um in the yeah. underbelly of our world so i'm looking forward to diving into that and i'm as far as books i, I probably say this every week I, i'm reading several different books at at one time one of the ones I'm reading is The Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, and it's it's having an interesting impact. It's a um, I don't know if you call it a business book or or what, but it basically the whole book is about what it takes to be an outlier in whatever area of expertise or whatever area you're in in life. What and what he means by an outlier is somebody who is exceptional, exceptionally different. Um, you can have both positive and negative outliers like Billy the Kid would be a negative outlier, but he has a lot of the a lot of the same, you know, attributes possibly, but it's a fascinating book. A lot of the a lot of things that I've believed over time, like that IQ really matters and stuff like that, which it does to a point. He talks about that. But a lot of the things that I, I thought really mattered in getting that edge and success really don't. It, it just it just comes down to just sheer skill by repetition in a lot of areas. That's fascinating to me. And music, I, I'm I'm sticking with my '70s man. I'm listening to my '70s music. I've been picking up some Christmas music. I mean, I know it's November and it's before Thanksgiving and stuff, but I found a station on my radio app and. I've been listening to some Christmas music to kind of get me in the mood and get me ready for the holiday. And, you know, when it comes to just Christmas music, I like it just like when I like my Christmas movies, they're the cheesier, the better. Yeah. Uh, I used to have these, they have these claymation things that I used to watch and we have a, I haven't watched it in years, but we, the boys, uh, Owen, my youngest particularly really loved the, the claymation stuff. So we watch oh, that yeah. sometimes and, well, Lindsay, let's dive into what we want to talk about today. I'm going to set it up, and then I'll let you go first with your your sort of testimony of of how how you got into this, and and then then I'll go, you know, with with my uh, sort of testimony. But you know, in the spirit of our podcast, we we don't want to cover heavy, deep, or dark stuff every week. 
a lot of times we want to just talk about just spiritual things and the supernatural and, you know, even some biblical things that we're learning and, and stuff like that. So this is just going to be a very eclectic podcast. But today I thought it would be really good for you to, you guys out there to get to know us a little better with our, our testimonies. And what we're going to do is we're going to go into dive into a testimony about how we were introduced to the supernatural or when it became when it became serious enough in our lives that it that really translated into a different walk with God than we had before, I guess is a better way to put it. We both have interesting testimonies that are similar and different in in, in both ways. So I'm gonna let Lindsay go first and and tell his uh, testimony of how he kind of got introduced or baptized into the world of the supernatural. Well, I mean, I guess even before I was a believer, you know, I would have dreams that seemed clearly to be from the Lord. Uh, there was one in particular where this me and this kid I knew from school had broken into this guy's attic and we were going to steal some like treasure or something we had heard he had in there and we're rummaging through the attic trying to find it. And we hear the cops coming up the stairs. Uh, the kid turned into a rabbit and hops off. It's <laughs> funny. And I'm stuck and it's weird. I'm like freaking out and scared. The cops are coming to get me. And then there was this flash of light and I see an image of Jesus, like a still image. And full disclosure, it's that goofy, you know, white sort of Kenny Loggins looking Jesus. We all grew up. <laughs> Kenny Loggins, love it. <laughs> in the uh, in the artwork, but that's that was what Jesus was to me at the time. So I wouldn't, you know, it. Yeah. It, yeah. it was significant, and yeah, it just, you know, I had other dreams where I was like being attacked by demons, and I would say his name, and they'd go away, or I'd wake up and. You know, even before I was a believer, I, I already kind of had brushes with the supernatural, weird stuff that happened when I was a kid that I couldn't explain. Um, so, yeah, I'd been, I called myself an agnostic and was very doubtful. But on the other hand, part of me just knew there was more to it. And then when I became a believer, you know, I was, you know, I was, kind of in a mixed bag fellowship wise I, I I knew Baptists who were just very typical Baptists but I also knew charismatics people who spoke in tongues regularly and I wasn't sure what I believed but I started going to an Assemblies of God church and it was at an Assemblies of God camp that I first spoke in tongues which you know for them was you know that that was proof that I had been "Quote unquote," baptized in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now I don't necessarily believe tongues has to be the evidence of that. I do believe in a second work of the Holy Spirit. Right. I, mean, I think that's clear from reading Acts, and yeah, that was kind of my entry into it. Now, when I got to college and became more reformed in my thinking, a lot of that 
just went by the wayside and honestly saw some abuses and just gooberishness yeah. in that community that bothered me. So just, I never became like a cessationist, but you know, meaning I thought the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the more out there supernatural stuff had ceased, but I was very cautious about it and very kind of snooty towards that. I don't know. I just, I was kind of in and out of it at different times. I did some missionary training in Oklahoma, to, training to be a missionary with a ministry and just rediscovered this idea of not just speaking in tongues and doing the flashy stuff, but just this idea of, of hearing from God and, and, and prophesying over people. And that didn't always look like some super dramatic foretelling the future i mean it, it it looked like exhortation and encouragement and sometimes rebuke but you know it, it did it didn't always look like this dramatic thing i'd seen in the assemblies of god and the the goofy tv preachers and things like that and the leaders of this ministry turned that back on for me again yeah yeah for lack of a better term and and I'm just off and on. Um, I'd, I'd get more heady and intellectual, and you know, for whatever reason, I thought that that meant I didn't. And I'd see abuses again, and or, or people who I thought weren't "quote unquote" doing it right, and I'd kind of shy away from it again. And, and I just finally said, "Man, I would rather be wrong." And have a living relationship with the Lord, get some things wrong sometimes, then have all my theological T's crossed and I's dotted and not know the Lord and miss out on living relationship with him. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, also around that time, I, I, I got into Michael Heiser and just, kind of that further dimension of it, of this notion of the the unseen realm, the the divine counsel that God, you know, has a has an order and a and a way using the what we would call the angels, but it's more complicated than that, to bring about things. And that there's also a part of that world that has rebelled and is also a factor in that, um, and just the the interplay with with that and and spiritual warfare kind of the last four or five years became more real to me. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about the whole spiritual warfare thing. I, I think that that's probably something we're gonna hopefully <laughs> down the road cover on our show because it's such a I don't know it's such a minefield. There's there's spiritual warfare that's kooky and crazy and and out there, and then there's you know spiritual warfare that virtually isn't really spiritual warfare. It's very left brain. Just renew your mind enough, and that's that's how you beat the devil. And you know, being a missionary, both of us being missionaries, in a, even in a domestic context uh, along the fringes of even America, we, we see things and have seen things. Sandy and I 
seen things and I know Lindsay has too. And so anyway, hopefully down the road, we'll get into, we'll talk about spiritual warfare and you know, how that, how that plays out. Well, my journey is a little more twisty and turny and loop-de-loop, just quite bizarre. I was raised in a broken home, basically, but I, I went to church. I, I was, until I got old enough to rebel to going to church, and then I didn't go to church. I ended up going to a Christian college locally, and the main reason I went to this Christian college is because I was living with my girlfriend, and I didn't want to go to the, the, the university that I really wanted to go to. And I'm thankful for that, believe it or not. I'm thankful that I stayed at this Christian college. A friend of mine, about the same time, came back to the Lord. I had never really, I never really gone to the Lord. I, I was baptized at some point when I was a kid, and it was very artificial, and, and it wasn't real to me at all. I always kind of had a relationship with God, even though I was agnostic. I would talk to him and, and beg him to help, you know, get me out of trouble when I was in trouble. And it was uh, superficial at best. But this friend of mine who came back amazingly was on was on drugs, pretty solid. I mean, we're talking heroin, major stuff. And wow. the, the Lord basically delivered him cold turkey from withdrawals. It's just an incredible. It's it's that was, I guess, my first experience of of something supernatural. And if I think back when I was a kid, I probably had supernatural experiences that I don't remember or that are packed in there. But as far as what we're talking about dealing with the Lord, seeing that that was probably my first impact. Even though I like to say my first real major experience with the supernatural was with the demonic, ironically, which I'll get to that in a second. I ended up dedicating my life to Christ, surrendering to his lordship, and I did it at a church service. And the interesting thing is I had a a vision, which is another supernatural experience at this church service where I saw Jesus at the, the, this was a Baptist church. So there was no Jesus on a cross. Okay. So, but the cross that was down front, I saw Jesus on the cross and blood and bleeding and dying. And I realized that it was for me that he was doing that. And I don't know whether it was a uh, open vision or, or what type of vision it was, but it was, it was supernatural. But in the tradition I was part of, you know, you're allowed to have supernatural conversion experiences, but after that, he pretty much leaves you alone. And so I was, I was saved, but I was, I switched to what I call date mode. And a lot of, a lot of young Christian guys get in this mode where they, they, it's like not about what I can do for God, but what God could do for me. And right then I wanted him to find me a wife. And so uh, every, I was looking for what my wife and I call the dot, you know, trying to find the right girl, the right person, the right mm-hmm. one to marry and spent years looking for that. And had a, had a really good boss that kind of took me under his wing and, and really discipled me. And interesting enough, the same friend that was uh, saved that was delivered cold Turkey from heroin went to this place, a revival service and came back just on fire for God. And it was 
kooky to me. It was crazy. I didn't believe in it. I actually thought it was of the devil. So I started reading a a, a book by a well-known anti-supernatural guy who's who claims to be a Christian. And I started reading this book. And so I had all these arguments with my buddy, you know, about this, that, and the other. And, and I wasn't true. And I didn't believe it and all that kind of stuff. And it all came to a head one day when I came home. We had this little club modeled after Wesley's Holy Club where we met once a week and we all prayed for each other, prayed together in our, in our dorm room. And I'd had a bad day. I, I was working a job and going to school and, and paying for it all at the same time. And and uh, interesting enough, this friend of mine just laid hands on me and I, I felt this this experience of another being just enveloping me and coming inside of me and just pouring through me. And it was, there was just so much love. There was so much peace. It was amazing. It was incredible. I I came to realize later on, that was a, a, a time when the Holy spirit had filled me. It was, it was just, it was an incredible, amazing experience of course you know the enemy always tries to come back and take it away and for years he tried to take that away that it was just my emotions or my biggest introduction to the supernatural was i was part of a bsu at another school that was close to this other school and i liked this school better because everybody there wasn't a christian it was a more what we would call i hate this terminology but what we call it a secular school so the bsu really had to fight for their life i mean they were they were really like a a post behind the enemy lines and and so like c.s lewis talks about they they really had to live out their christianity on campus and one of the guys that came one night i'd started reading these books i started having manifestations in my body i'd started having scratches and bruises and all this weird stuff start appearing on my body because i started reading the the set of books on spiritual warfare and one time at the uh, the BSU meeting, this this guy full blown manifested a spirit. He manifested a demon, a demonic entity, and we didn't know what to do. We prayed, we did it the best we could, and uh, I think we pretty much for the most part just just because we were we was kind of like Jesus help, you know. And we I believe we got at least that delivered out of him, and he was different after that. And that was my first major experience with a with a power encounter because his it was his demeanor changed, his voice changed. It was obvious that we were dealing with another entity. It was obvious that it wasn't him. And that that pretty much, you know, even though I was a Christian, that sucked me into the supernatural. But I'd say as one of my part of my life life's work now is Luke chapter four or six, where it says the spirit of the Lord is upon me. I think it's Luke four, where Jesus Magna Carta of what He's called to do, and and my wife and I, one of our one of our calls, not only just to make disciples, but we want to make disciples, and we want to heal the sick, cast out spirits, and and all that that entails that comes with that is part of that call which requires healing prayer and, and, and all that kind of stuff, but also spiritual warfare. 
And you have to really have number one an understanding that those things are real. And number two, you have to have a, a really an understanding that you have authority over them. They have to obey you. And so over the years, Sandy and I've walked that ministry out. I won't say we've enjoyed it. We've enjoyed helping people, but we haven't enjoyed yeah. some of the, some of the things we've seen, really bizarre stuff. And it's amazing, though, this form of the supernatural wants to show out. And if you don't let it show out, it won't. Yep. It, it'll it'll pretty much conform to what which as long as it as long as it knows that you know who you are, it it'll do it. Otherwise, it'll like the sons of Skiva. It'll it'll rip off your arm and beat you with it all the way to the you know not really, but but it'll it'll eat your lunch and pop your bag, as a famous preacher I like says. Oh yeah. So, but that was my journey or introduction into the supernatural and then like like Lindsay, i've i've grown in it i've i've been introduced to michael heisner and the divine council worldview and the whole uh, you know i used to think that demons were basically just fallen angels and now i i, I believe that they are disembodied rephaim or nephilim which is yep. totally changes how you do spiritual warfare too i don't really believe that principalities and powers are actually demons themselves that they're actually areas that demons are in charge of all this has helped bring the bible alive to me because like i've heard and i've heard it several times the past few on this past week just listening to the podcast here and people talking if you, if you don't believe satan exists or the the, the supernatural then it, 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 you can't believe god exists or or, or vice versa and we live in a world that is majorly different than what we are spoon fed by let's just face it the media and tv and a lot of the church and a lot of the world uh, the world is it's a lot darker but the good the cool thing is that i think about that that isaiah passage where it says behold out of the darkness comes a great light and so the cool thing about it is that we as Christians get to be a part of smashing the head of the serpent. Yeah. And, and we get, we get to be a part of this supernatural worldview, which like, like I said, it, it's more than just the demonic. It's more than just the, the dark side of it. There's, there's the whole good side of it too. The whole angelic angels, messengers, Elohim, all those different things that we'll that we'll talk about. It won't take us so many podcasts to get into because we're we've been listening to other people's podcasts who've already red pilled us about a lot of this kind of stuff. And so <laughs> but it's it's just fascinating. It's fascinating to be a part of something greater than ourselves. And particularly I can say this as a man, church in a lot of ways has been feminized. Lindsay, help me out here. What, 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 what do you, I mean, give me some examples. I'm trying, I'm at a loss here, but I know what I'm saying. It's just. Well, I, I mean, even a lot of the music we've talked about, you, you use the term to Jesus is my boyfriend songs. And just this kind of focus on, you know, 
tenderness, which is good. I mean, God is tender, and we need to have a tender relationship with him. But kind of to the neglect of of anything that that views God in the the sort of warrior warrior king sort of warrior king warrior king typology yeah yeah (laughs) that that's kind of been thrown out the window and it's all touchy feely warmth all the time and right Right. there's a lot of things men can't always relate to we all need to relate to it on some level but it but it but it's all we get and that's kind of where i see it yeah 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 in in a lot of ways i've heard some women say the church is very misogynistic and and i I think that's i think that's true to the point of maybe leadership and authority and all that kind of stuff but overall the at least the church services that i've been to like you said the there's there's no adventure there, you know, and I know it's not about me and it's not about, but but the reality is is there is adventure adventure there. There there is excitement. There is a quest. There is a princess to be regained. You know, the bride of Christ. There's there's uh, there's an epic quest, you know, that we're on, and that's to to bring people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, and that's an epic yeah. quest. You know, and that appeals to men and, and it appeals to women as well. But but that appeals to men. If they're going to get together, if men are going to get together and, and hang out. They're going to have a, a fish fry and drink beer. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. They're not going to get together and sing songs that are feminized about Jesus. OK, and I'm sure I'll probably get. Comments about that, that, that. But you know what? This is the unrefined podcast, and you can't cancel yeah. us. We're uncancelable. We're just, we're just saying how we feel and how as the truth. And I think that God wants both in the church. I think He wants it. Yeah. I think it wa- He wants to show, and this is where I'm going to show my how I defend. I think He wants women in leadership. I think He wants a warrior princess. You know, the bride of Christ. She's a warrior, and she's, she's, she's the bride. I think that's the imagery that we need to go for. And, and I'm cool with that. I'm totally cool with that. You know, it doesn't hurt my man card for, for me to be the bride of Christ or anything, as long as we are the body and the warrior for Christ too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's important to bring out that humankind is made in the image of God. That means the good, the godly parts of femininity, the reflect God's nature in some way too. Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah, and, and we don't need to to lose sight of that. Well, we're made. It just feels like it's that part has been emphasized, and then the yeah to the detriment to the of neglect. the masculine. Yeah, the yeah. detriment of the masculine part. So maybe the pendulum swung too far because the patriarchy back a long time ago, and it swung, 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 just a swing. In anyway, it's it swung from one, one, one to the I other. I like swung better. Yeah, it swang back back to the other way, and the reality is, is God wants a balance. He wants us to to issue forth in the world at reflecting Him, and He reflects both the the masculine and the feminine. In fact, the Puritans and a lot of Puritanical writings. I don't know if pure. I don't know if I should use the word Puritanical, but that's what they are. The, in the writings of the Puritans. They often called the Holy Spirit as the feminine part of God or the comfort, the nurture, the 
the, you know, all these. And see, the cool thing is that we as men get to be that, but women get to be the conquerors and the warriors and all these things that they're, that they're yearning to be, that they have this desire to be. And it all, it all comes together as we are the body of Christ. It, It comes together as we become an army and an army that hell can't, can't deal with the the gates of hell can't prevail against this army. You know, we're going to smash through them. Yep. But we have to get back to a supernatural worldview. We've got to, we've got to believe again. We've got to believe this book. Like Michael Heiser says all the time, you know, the, if something weird in the Bible, you need to pay attention to it. You know, (laughs) we, we've got to get back because where that supernaturalness is, is the power. And that's the power to take the world. And that's what we need to do. We need to be aware of our enemy and aware of his tactics and all that kind of stuff. But we need to be also ready to go out and conquer the enemy and conquer him with God's plan and God's strategy of of conquering, which is love and and relationship. Yeah, I saw a uh, Facebook post this morning. There's a a lady that had done, had, had been done wrong. You know, this is, this was a, some Christian ladies and a lady had been done wrong. But, but if you looked at the posts on this Facebook comment, you would think none of these ladies are Christians. And I know they all are. They're just like, you know, yeah, he deserves to be damned. He, he needs to, he needs to go to hell. He needs to, you know, and, and, and I'm just like, where's Jesus and all that. I'm glad that you're, you're not around me on a bad day. Cause I'd be condemned and we have to all just go back to the foot of the cross and realize we all need his mercy. We all need his grace. And that allows us to, to be able to fight this war together and it allows us to reach the, reach the people, the law, the lost least. And what is it? What is he? The least last and lost. Yeah. And we want to be able to reach those kind of people. We can't be mean. And Christians are mean. And I think I think it's going to ha- it goes back to the supernatural. It's going to take a supernatural work of his grace in our hearts for us to go from being mean to to being loving and to being merciful, you know, not going the other way, which has a tendency to be, you know, sometimes we say love is doesn't require the truth. But, you know, we need love and truth, grace and mercy. Well, yeah, love is calling people out sometimes. You know me, I, I hate it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm the the arch introvert. I like to call myself. Yeah, and yeah. we don't in the in a mercy oriented in my giftings, and you know, it's just it's difficult to to do that sometimes. But I got to do it too. Yes. Yeah, just like I've got to, on the reverse side, I've got to shut my mouth. I mean, I, I posted on a friend's <laughs> Facebook the other day, you know. Sometimes I think God has his fingers on my mouth all the time and allows me to speak instead of the other way around. You know, a lot of people think God will stop them from saying certain things. And I'm like, I, I think God just keeps me from talking all the time and just allows me to speak. So yeah. I'm the opposite opposite type but just uh going through the, the 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 dark journey that i went through with with a lot of the stuff and a lot of the dark hole that i went down i've just come to appreciate people 
and their struggles and where they're at and the, and the fact that I need to be sympathetic. I need to be empathetic. I need to, I need to have love and mercy for them. And I need to couple that with the truth because sometimes they need to hear that they have the proverbial, you have a big, huge tumor on your face and it's going to, that cancer is going to eat your face, you know, instead of everybody just, Oh, okay. Hey, how you doing? Yeah. So it, it's 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 a hard balance. I think it requires the grace of God. It requires the supernatural. Yeah. It requires it requires the supernatural to do it. So yeah, it does. Do you have any supernatural stories you want to share, Lindsay? Well, man, it's definitely weird stuff. I, I mean, I told you about that dream. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know there was this weird time. Me and my brother and my oldest younger sister. We're sitting down watching TV, and we heard, we all heard it. Somebody, it came from outside the window. Somebody heard it. It was a whisper. I heard the word airway. My sister heard Anna White. My brother, he just heard, he just heard the whisper. He couldn't make out what it was. It really freaked us all out. Huh. And we weren't sure what it was. Yeah, that. I can remember me and some friends seeing a light moving in the sky one time and then stopping and then moving again. I mean, it wasn't anything any airplane could do. Mm. You know, just, yeah, just stories like that. That's more UFO, whatever UFOs were late or are. We, it was an unidentified flying object. So Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I remember uh, when I was in my rebellious years, like, which was as well. My rebellious years were probably from like 12 to 15 or so, give or take. There's a group of friends that I hung around with, and there's this one guy that was deep into what he called Satanism. I don't know how deep now, knowing all the things that I've rabbit holes I've gone down. I don't know if it was just a novelty type Satanism, but. I will tell you this, he operated in some sort of magic or some sort of power that he could do just what you would call parlor tricks, but they really weren't like um, this one. This one particular night, what I remember him doing is he would show people his power. He would point at streetlights and he would point at and snap his fingers and they would go out. Oh, wow. And uh, they wouldn't come back on. It wasn't a matter of a trick or anything like that. I mean, he could do it just anywhere. It wasn't like he took us one place where he was prepared to do it or anything like that. So that really flipped me out in my rational brain. I had tried to figure it out, but I I never really could figure out how he was able to do that. I'm actually wonder sometimes where that guy is, if he's still mixed up in a lot of that uh, occult stuff or he (laughs) knowing how the world works a lot of times, he's probably a preacher now. That's what's so ironic. So (laughs) I've seen that happen so many different times, even now to this day when friends of mine that I grew up with find out that I was a priest or a preacher or a minister, that it just blows them away because just the total transformation that God did in my life. Cool. We appreciate you guys uh, listening to us. Our, Our goal is to begin to have guests on the show I'm taking a a course on some biblical 
anthropology that I'd love to, I'm going to share, which sounds really dry, I know, but there's fascinating things in the Bible, you guys, fascinating things that have kind of been glossed over in, in our church world. I appreciate you guys listening to us and just supporting us in any way you can. Yes. Thanks, guys. Stay naturally supernatural.